I'm ready to roll. Y'all good? Let's go. Let's go. I want to tell you a story tonight about my, myself. I, uh, I grew up, I was born and raised in the South. Anybody else born and raised in the South? <laughs> That's the whole room, pretty much. So, hey, we have something in common, right? I was born and raised in Tennessee, just north of Georgia. Very, very small town, about 3,000 people. Not much to do, pretty boring, but it's fine. Um, I just, you know, we just chilled often, so it was fun. Um, but, uh, hey, born, born and raised in the South, and one thing that, that we know about the South, right? South's a good place to grow up. One of the things that you get in the South is sweet tea. Woo! Come on. Who, who loves some sweet tea? Let's go, yeah. Well, I got, a, I got a story about some sweet tea. So uh, when I was 21, a few years ago, I'm not that old, so 21, a few years ago, I packed my bags, flew out to Phoenix, Arizona. Anybody ever been out, out west to Arizona, AZ, southwest? It's a good place. So I packed my bags, flew out there. I'll never forget the day that I landed in Phoenix, Arizona. I was actually doing a residency program, uh, much like Trey. Uh, Trey, he's, he's trained to be a pastor. He, he's developing his, his, his craft, and, and I, I was doing the same thing. And so I, I love being out there. I actually stayed three and a half years out there. And uh, I'll never forget this moment when I flew into Phoenix, and, and man, Phoenix is a, is a beautiful place. Like, I remember as we were landing, looking out the window, and, and man, just like, it was literally, it was July. It was the end of July, 1st of August, and it is hot in Phoenix, Arizona in July, all right? I'm talking like, not like 90 degrees, not like 100 degrees, like 112 degrees. Like it's hot. And when you're, when you're landing in Phoenix, you can just see the heat waves like just over the city. It's unreal. And so, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm already thirsty. Let's be honest. Like I just looking out the window, I'm like, all right, I need something to drink. And so what happens is, is my host family, the family I was staying with, they pick me up, we go to the house, whatever, drop my bags off, and then we go, we go get some dinner. Right? We go to a restaurant. It's pretty nice. You know what I'm saying? When you go to a restaurant, this is what happens. The host takes you to your table, right? The waitress or waiter approaches your table, and what do they ask you? What do you want to drink? Want to drink? And I said, I said, uh, I'll, take a, I'll take a sweet tea. I'll take a sweet tea. She looked, she, she paused for a minute. So I was like, oh, no. I kind of knew something was wrong. But you got to understand, the, furth the furthest I've ever been west was Nashville, Tennessee in 21 years. So we had sweet tea there, you know what I mean? Um, so here I was in Arizona and this lady, she looks at me and she says, sir, we don't have sweet tea. I said, she was like, but she followed that statement up. Statement up. She said, I can bring you tea with sugar packets. I said, what you mean? Bring me tea with sugar packets. Apparently she didn't know how to make sweet tea. You know what I mean? If you don't know, what, the key to sweet tea is that you have to put the sugar in when it's hot. That's the key to sweet tea. But you only know it in the South, right? What's it, what do you mean, sugar packets? Sugar's going to fall straight to the bottom. It don't taste the same. It's like gritty and stuff. It's, it's gross. But as I started thinking about this, you know, life just sometimes, the things in life just doesn't, they, they don't make sense. And to me, in that moment, what she told me, bringing tea with sugar packets, that didn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? For example, uh, here's, here's another thing. Uh, Thanksgiving without turkey, it doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. Right. It was like, what's the point? 
Why, why even have Thanksgiving if you don't like, you know, don't have turkey? Um, what about uh, Christmas without presents? Come on. You're like, yeah, we'll skip that holiday. Come on. We don't, Jesus' birthday? What? I mean, no. Listen, uh, what about UGA losing a big game every football season? Right? If that doesn't happen, it just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? But you, you get what I'm saying, right? You get what I'm saying. In, in life, things just sometimes they don't make sense. And we're going to open up a conversation about this whole series of how faith works. And we're going to be looking in the book of James, and, and we're, we're going to talk about the scripture we read. It, it talked about, hey, faith without works is dead, right? Right. You can't have faith without works. You can't have works without faith. It just doesn't make sense. And so you have to have those two things together. But what we're going to do is we're going to start to unpack this a little bit. Because I think the Bible would teach us that there are some things that relate to our faith that sometimes don't make sense. Here's what I mean. For example, you can't have maturity without going and persevering through trial, right? You can't have maturity without persevering and going through trial. You can't expect God's forgiveness if you can't forgive. You can't have faith without works. If you, if you say you have faith, and you live contrary to what you say you believe, what's the point? There is none. It's incomplete. And so tonight we're gonna talk about you live what you believe because I believe faith works. So let's start to unpack this. Before we get going, this is gonna kind of be a teaching night just so you know. We're gonna get on the whiteboard, we're gonna, we're gonna, go, we're gonna go at it, all right? And so, but before we do, we need to define faith. And let's go to scripture for that, okay? Let's define faith. And I wanna read you uh, this, this scripture. It comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. It says this, just listen. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Let me say that a different way to you. <laughs> see if this makes sense. All right, you ready? Faith is confident assurance. Faith is confident assurance in what we do not see. Sounds legit, huh? You're like, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> you read that to me and I didn't know anything about faith, I'd be like, you're crazy, dude. <laughs> what do you mean? I got to believe in something I can't even see? But yet, faith, that, that, that's, that's a part of faith. But here's what I want to do. I want to unpack faith. Faith. Faith is important when it comes to having a relationship with Jesus. Faith is important when it comes to having a relationship with Jesus. See, in the English, English language, here's what happens. In the English language, sometimes the idea of biblical faith gets lost in translation. It gets lost in translation. In the English language, there are distinctions and differences between certain words that we interchange for faith, okay? And here are those words. There, there are distinctions and differences between the, these three words. Faith, belief, and trust. This is in your notes if you wanna write this down. It's kind of in the middle. So here's what happens. 
There's differences between faith, belief, and trust. But when it comes to defining our relationship with God, we use these words interchangeably to mean the same thing. But yet, they mean different things. You tracking with me? So, tonight, what we want to do is we want to unpack this idea of how faith, belief, and trust mean different things, and yet we define them almost as the same thing, and that leaves us maybe feeling empty, maybe feeling incomplete, because maybe we're just stuck in one of these three places, and that's how we define faith. Let's get going. Let's start with the word faith. In our life, faith is often defined when we feel a confidence or certainty about something. Like in the moment, in the moment when, when, we, when we feel a confidence and certainty about whatever it is that we're supposed to have faith for in that moment, that's how we define faith, right? So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a feeling, it's a confidence or a certainty. So faith is oftentimes defined as a feeling. And so here's what I mean by that. I used to think that if I, if I doubted God, if I, if, I, if I needed to have faith for something or I wanted to pray for something and I doubted God, he would not answer my prayer. In the midst of, of, of seeking something out or seeking an answer, I thought faith, my, my feeling was the key ingredient to get what I wanted to get from God. And if I didn't have enough faith, God wouldn't answer my prayer. Prayer. So my faith was driven, my, my, my faith was driven by this feeling, a confidence or certainty. You see, we, re, we, we focus on removing all fear and all doubt. But you see, this is only a partial understanding when it comes to faith. And there's danger because what happens is that this leaves us with an incomplete faith. You see, faith is not some magical potion that, that, that manipulates God to get what you want. Because what happens is we start, to, we start to, when we think this way and our feeling drives faith, we read James 1, 6 through 7 out of context, which is just a couple pages over. Um, and if, you, if, you're, if you're turning into James, it's, it's page 1217 in your Bibles. But, but here, this is, this is what we read out of context in James chapter 1, if our feeling is driving our faith, or this confidence and certainty is driving our faith. James 6 and 7 says this, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because one who, the one who doubts is like a wave of sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And we, like, we take this out of context because we think that if we don't doubt, and we believe that God's going to answer yes. Make sense? It, it, that's, that's, that we think that this is how it works. Our feeling starts to drive our faith. We think our, we, we think our confidence moves God. But that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's, not, that's not right. But here's what I don't want you to take away from what I just said. I want you to pray with confidence because you should. But here's the deal. Your confidence does not move God. God moves God. 
If God wants to heal, he's gonna heal. If God wants to say yes, he's gonna say yes. If God wants to say no, he's gonna say no. If God wants to say wait, he will say wait. And, and, and this, is, this is what happens. We begin to base our faith off of feelings. And what that leads us to is this circumstantial faith. So what happens is, is in our life, when things are going awesome and things are going great, God, man, God is, God is good. God is good. I have so much faith right now. Nothing's going wrong. It's awesome. But when tragedy hits and trials come, guess what? We just feel like God's absent. Because our feeling, our faith is driven by feeling. Our faith is driven by feeling. But I want you to know something. James tells us and encourages that, hey, you have faith regardless. You have faith regardless of how he answers you. Your circumstances do not determine your faith. Belief. What about belief? What is, what is belief? Here's what, here's, what we, here's what we believe about belief. Maybe some of you are, are, are maybe in this category. We say that we believe something if we think it's plausibly true. We say that we believe something if we think it's plausibly true. Here's what I mean. We think that I can say, I believe in, in UFOs, I believe in Bigfoot, I believe in evolution, I believe in, in creation, I believe in, 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 in the zombie apocalypse, right? Because all of those are true. Let's be, let's be real. I mean, I'm just kidding. Okay, lighten up, people. Come on, you can laugh. It's good. It's good for the soul. All right. But th this is why, this, listen, belief doesn't necessarily have to do with action in the English understanding. And, and this is why it can be dangerous to tell people the story of Jesus and ask them if they believe. See, in the Bible Belt, what happens is a lot of people believes, they, they believe in Jesus, right? They believe in Jesus. And, and the English definition leads them to an intellectual decision of plausibility. So belief is connected To intellect. I spell that right? That's what's up. I'm learning, guys. I'm learning. Belief is connected to intellect, right? And so, again, if, if we just bathe, if we, if we, if, <laughs> listen, if, if we, if we substitute belief as this, just that's what we count on as faith, it's just intellect, that's still an incomplete understanding of faith. John 3.16 says, whosoever believes, it's deeper than just intellect. That's deeper than just intellect. In fact, if you jump down one more verse, it's actually in James 18. If you jump down one more verse, it says, even demons believe and they tremble. They believe, they, 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 they tremble, and knowing is not enough, and trembling is not enough. You can't tremble in guilt and fear. You can tremble in guilt and fear, but that doesn't mean that you, it will lead you to true repentance, this holistic faith. Because faith is just more than intellect, it's more than just knowing. What about, what about trust? What about trust? You see, trust, when we trust, we have a responsibility to respond, right? When, when, you, when you trust somebody, you, you respond in some sort of way. 
You respond in some sort of way. It is, it is trust is driven by response. If, if, if a mom says that they trust their daughter who's 17 years old, but yet they still say you can't be out uh, past eight and you can't do this and you can't do that, is that really trust? Maybe her actions is not backing up what she's saying, but maybe they are because some of you are acting crazy, acting a fool. I'm not, I'm not going after moms. Don't, don't hear that word. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, let me, let me say it this way. What about your boss? If, you, if any of you have jobs and, and you, you have a boss, right, and uh, they say they trust you, but they, they look over your shoulder, they micromanage you, they tell you everything that you need to do and how to do it and don't let you go and fly and do your thing, are they really trusting you? No. They're not really trusting you. They're not really trusting you. But here's what we have to understand. Trust has to do with action. It's response-driven. Here's where it comes full circle. We've translated these words, right? We, we've, we've traded out these, these certain words. We've interchanged these words to talk about faith, right? Our faith, our relationship with God. That's what, that's what this is our faith. Like we, we've, sometimes it's driven by feelings. Sometimes it's driven by intellect. Sometimes it's just action. But what's unbelievable and is fascinating to me, and I, this is, this is going to be good. The New, the New Testament was written in Greek, okay? It's the New Testament. If you don't know what the New Testament is, it's kind of the, the back half of the Bible. It was written in Greek. And what's cool is that in the Bible, almost every time when you cross the words faith, belief, and trust, it's rooted in the same Greek word. It's rooted in the same Greek word. So literally, the word in the Bible includes what? Our feelings, our intellect, and our action. These are not separate packages when we come and we talk about faith. We're, we're, not, we're not segregating these when it comes to faith, but yet in our lives we do. And we let certain, the, these three things drive and label our faith. But yet, the Bible says the root word in Scripture, if you, if you, if you read it and you, you study a little bit more, you see that, that when it comes to faith, belief, and trust, it's, it's translated from the same word. And it encompasses all of these things, feeling, intellect, and action. And this means that the Bible, there is no concept of faith apart from obedience and action. There's no concept of faith apart from obedience and action. This is the faith that saved many of you in this room and that can save many of you in this room. That's the type of faith that we're talking about. This is the type of faith that works because faith works. The greatest commandment in the Bible is given to us. Many of you know it and you could say it to me. Love the Lord your God, with all your what? Heart, mind, soul, and strength. You 
See what just happened there? Your emotions, your mind, and your action. That's the faith that saves us. See, the core of what James is trying to say here is that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. James is talking about this tension in the church where some would say it's all about faith. It's all about faith. But then some, say, some would say it's all about works. And so he's like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We can't have faith without works. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, right? And so most of the time what happens is people live in these two extremes. And this is where we have to be careful. Because some would say that, that here's the deal, faith without works is hypocrisy. Some would say works without faith is legalism. So let's talk those, let's talk those through a little bit. Faith without works. Works without faith. Let's talk about works without faith. That's legalism. What is legalism? It, 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 this, this whole faith idea becomes about, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do this, I gotta be here, I gotta do that, right? And then, I, oh, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that. It becomes about works, it becomes about performance. And we start trying to check these things off. I gotta be at age 12. Jesus is gonna get mad. It becomes about works. It becomes about, you know, just, just this task list, to-do list, legalism. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus didn't die for us to make us moral people. Jesus died for us to save us from sin. It's not just about works, but hold up. It's not just about faith either. Not just about faith either. But yet, many of us, what happens is, is, is we live under this umbrella. Could you imagine? Umbrella, right? I got an umbrella. I got my faith umbrella. You know what I'm saying? I'm walking around. I got my faith umbrella. I just, man, I'm, I'm all about Jesus. I love Jesus. I got faith. You know what I'm saying? But I don't have anything to show for it. Because, listen, we, we, we live under this umbrella like, man... Jesus, you're my, you're my dog, right? You're my man. But uh, don't, uh, could you just ignore Friday night? Uh, could you just ignore that, that late night, that late night combo I had a couple weeks ago? Could you, could you just ignore um, a, a few of those things in my life? That, 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 the belief, I, mean, I believe in you, but I know that my action doesn't, doesn't show it. I get it. I, I just know. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I've lived, in my life, I've, I've been in both of these worlds. It's been all about works, but yet I've been disconnected in, 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 in my faith. I, I've, had a, I've had a heart disconnected. It's been about works. I've also been in this area that, that it's been about faith, but yet I've lived a different way. And I've used and abused grace. But that's not what the Bible says to do, right? It's a gift. Grace is a gift. It's not to be used and abused. We are called to a higher standard. We are called to live uh, like Jesus. And so what happens, and, and this, is one of the, this is one of the things that, that, that just like, it, it, it hurts me inside because there is nothing, there is nothing more unattractive in Christianity 
than hypocrisy and legalism. There is nothing more unattractive than hypocrisy and legalism when it comes to Christianity. And I'm, not, I'm just saying be careful because the reality of it is is that you lean one way or the other. You lean one way or the other. So we, we as Christians, we have to manage it. We have to, we, we have to be aware of this. And we have to pursue Jesus in a different way. I'll tell you something. Let's be real with you. Satan doesn't care if you have faith without works. Satan doesn't care if you have works without faith. That doesn't do anything to him. But what Satan cares about is that if your faith works, he's going to have a problem with that. Because then it's full circle. That's a holistic faith. That's the faith that saved you. Let me say it like this. You know Jesus to the level that you live like Jesus. You know Jesus to the level that you live like Jesus. You know Jesus to the level that you live like Jesus. This right here is the faith that saves you. Because I guarantee you what some of of you are feeling in your life is emptiness. Because you've had incomplete faith. Your faith has been driven by feelings or just intellect or just action. But I'm going to tell you something. The the, The faith that saved you is all of these things. It's about your heart. It's about your mind. It's about your strength. Because faith works. Some of you in the room tonight, you've never accepted Jesus. But what's cool about it is that from the very get-go, and even those, those of you who have, from the very get-go, you've experienced the faith that saves you from the very start, man. But yet we've lost it along the way after we accept Jesus, after we, we go on this faith journey, we, we lose it. When we get tied up in one of these categories, Satan starts to use that. But what's cool if you accept, when you accept Jesus for the very first time, it has to do with intellect. It's about knowing the story of Jesus. It's about knowing that he came to this earth, he died on the cross. Three days later, he resurrected from the grave. And because he did that, he defeated sin. And because he rose again and we have new life and we get to spend eternity with God, our Father in heaven. Um, and and, and that's, that's an intellect. That's a part of the story that we have to understand. But what's cool is the next step to that when you accept Jesus has to do with your heart. You, you invite him into your heart. You invite him into your life and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the savior of my soul. I want you to lead my life. And we, and we pray this prayer and that, that's a piece of action. That's a piece, that's a piece of, of this. You're trusting Jesus. And then you respond. You respond when it comes to that, you, you respond to the faith that saves you. And guess what? You've experienced the faith that James is talking about. The faith that works. For some of you in this very room right now, tonight's your night. On your notes, you have a tear off and it says Jesus. And that's for those of you who have never accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior. You've never made that commitment. Maybe tonight is your night. So I just want you to look at that. And I want you to think about that. And if tonight is your night, you, you, you fill that out, and then I'm going to let you know exactly what you're going to do here in a minute. But I want to talk to those of you who, who know Jesus. 
Because I've had many conversations in this room where you still feel empty. I've had, I've had specific conversations with some of you in here and your faith is driven by feelings. You just, man, going through things and I just don't have faith anymore. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. So some of you need to make, make, make steps and, and decide some things to, to reach this holistic faith, to, to, to rekindle that, to, to, to resurrect that. As, I mean, we gotta, we gotta pray for that. We, we gotta want that. But, but I think some practical things is that the, the first is that we have to, maybe, maybe your step is to share. And you guys do an incredible job at inviting people into this place and sharing, sharing your faith, sharing age 12. It's awesome. But, but, maybe, but maybe somebody needs more than just an invite to this place. Maybe somebody needs prayer. Or maybe more than that, maybe they need your presence. Maybe we need to figure out some of that stuff to rekindle this holistic faith, this faith that saves us. For some of you in the room, maybe it's, maybe it's serving. Maybe you got this, you know the story, you know you've accepted Jesus into your heart, but you're not doing a dang thing about it. Nothing. You're just coming. You're just, you know, what's up? Yet it's not alive in you. We serve a living God. I'm going to tell you something. You have the faith inside of you if you've accepted Jesus, and that's a faith that saves you. And it's alive. I promise. we got to get back to the faith that saves us. So over these next few moments, I want you to look at those three things, and, and, and if, if, you, if you feel like your, your heart's telling you to do something, that's, that's, what I want you to, that's what I want you to do. And then as you leave tonight, there's a box back there by that door, and I just want you to put those in the box. And we want to help you take those steps. Because the faith that saves you is something I don't want you to miss out on.